What's up, nerds? And welcome back to your weekly movie review podcast. That's right, you are locked in and tuned in to the 3FN Podcast. This week, we're getting in our time machine and going back to the year 1998 to review Rush Hour. But before we get to that, we are coming to you from the 8122 Production Studios at Dragon Master Games, and I am your host, Rich, and the nerds are all here. First, he is the man that, after seeing Rush Hour, went out and got him some Mooshu. That, of course, is Ron. Always got to get that Mooshu pork. That Mooshu. And, of course, he's the man that doesn't need an introduction, yet he has the longest introduction in all of podcasting. Ladies and gentlemen, I give to you hashtag Big Natty Cool, hashtag Mad Dog Strong Style, hashtag Challenge Accepted, hashtag Diesel Malenko, because he's the man of a thousand and four hashtags. He is the leader of the Minnows Gang and is your favorite podcaster's favorite podcaster. He's the man, the myth, and the legend rolled into one jolly old ginger bearded feller. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Diesel. How's the camel hump here? The camel <laughs> hump. Very good. The eel. I heard the eel was the very eel's tasty. Really good. It's a little greasy, though. A little greasy. Could use some hot sauce. Yes, everything could use hot sauce. I'm, I'm with Chris Tucker there. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, you know how we like to start this off? Ron, how has been your week? Uh, week's been good. Uh, last week, I had to watch uh, Rody Josh's dog, Dirk. And uh, so, Dirk, and there's a new puppy at the house for right now. So, Dirk and the puppy, Sierra, were running around all week long and causing mischief as one older dog and one puppy likes to do nice. in so case um so that's was an interesting week uh dirk unfortunately had to go back home because i just can't deal with dirk all that. no i'm just kidding <laughs> dirk's good dog he really is he did a great job while we had him um did make it to our wednesday group so our wednesday group we are getting closer to the end of this campaign and it's everything's hitting what we're supposed to be doing and i you know as well as you can in uh you know the with everything that I had in the DC or in the D&D universe, I you know tried to Leroy Jenkins a Death Dragon and jumped off a balcony because I have boots of levitation and tried to spear it. <laughs> that sounds like a goddamn great play. <laughs> it's what I had to do, you know, and it, it worked for the most part till he breath weaponed me and knocked me out. So you know things happen like that very, <laughs> but it was fun to just be like, all right, DM, I need to know if I can do this. He goes. All right, sounds good. Let's go. Just ran, jumped, made it in front of him. And, you know, in my head, it's anime style where you're coming down and sparing him on top of the head. But it's not really that. <laughs> but that's yeah. it. You tapped a caveman and missed. <laughs> All right. Uh, Diesel, how's been the week? Uh, so the work week has been really shitty. So we're just going to bypass all that. <laughs> the weekend, though, has been good. I did a little bit of work here Friday night at Dragon Master Games. But Fridays are my usual early night, and I made sure I snuck out right before the big rush of pre-release happened. <laughs> Saturday, uh, we had a two-headed giant tournament here for pre-release. Worked, got the new set sorted. Now that we're working on getting it put into the system, this might be the quickest turnaround of a new set coming out that we got it into the system. So That's amazing. Ladies and gentlemen, congratulations <laughs> to Dragmaster Games on that. Uh, then Sunday, we had my one and only fantasy football draft this year, which is a punishment league. And this year, the loser of the last uh, season had to partake in Sir Stromming Fish. I do believe everything you do in that league is canned, isn't it? Uh, It used to be. We've we've gone away from the canned stuff because we were too much handcuffed. So last year, the punishment was uh, Rocky Mountain Oyster Jerky. Okay. Um, But most of the years, it's been canned. So it started off with a canned chicken. The whole there was like canned cheeseburger or something one year. We haven't done that yet. No, okay. That's that was brought up as a possibility for next year, but next year if I lose, did I did you do haggis or yet or no? We did canned haggis. We've done pork brains and uh, milk gravy. We've done snails in a can. Have you have you ever had to do the punishment? No, but I've partaked in most of them because I was like, oh, I'll try a little bit of the haggis. It wasn't that bad. I would not do the sore strumming. Okay. The TikTok videos that you see where people are opening it up and like instantly gagging, I can confirm is fucking absolutely real. Oh, I believe it. <laughs> it was haggard smelling. It smelled like something dying at the ocean. Yeah. Um, no. And our loser ate it with no problem. Wow. The, I can't. 
the commissioner has to open it. So my good friend uh, Randy had to open the can. That was hilarious. Because he has a weak stomach. And then the first place uh, finisher had to serve our loser. And he couldn't do it. He could not carry the platter of it. Somebody else had to grab the platter and bring it over <laughs> to the table. It's almost like a punishment for them. Yes. That, that's, that became the best part of this all. Next year, we are doing canned silkworm larvae. <laughs> if I lose, I am quitting because <laughs> I will not partake in that. Luckily, I do have a pretty stacked team this year, and I, th- I don't know if I'll win. But I know I'm not going to come in dead last. Ladies and gentlemen, I would say at this point in juncture, pray for Diesel's last place. Oh, I'm, I'm hoping so much right now. If, if he leaves his, I need video evidence of this, too. If he, if he leaves his phone unlocked, I'm going on his app and getting rid of his players. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I will do my best to see if I can get rid of top of, top of his top player. Trade him for oh, just Trade him for nothing. Nothing. Since, <laughs> since it was a live league, our players have not imported yet. We have to wait for the commissioner to put them in. Hopefully. Oh, no. You got all season. I you, I need you to think have, it's going to be all right. Wait a minute. I have the commissioner's number in my phone. I should message him. <laughs> you should mess up some of those. Let's give him some extra kickers. I don't know why I took so many kickers this year. Oh, I, I did do my Friday, my just for fun league Friday night. Um, did, oh, did Yahoo says I didn't do good, but everybody else I've talked to said I did all right. And they were trying to figure out how I got certain players on yeah. the same team. My week seven's a little rough, not going to lie. Uh, My week 11 is rough, so, but I'm, I'm good enough. Yeah, so I think I'll be all right there. And then right after this at 2, i got to go to Rody Josh's and do our money league. Nice. So. Ooh, there you go. Well, uh, this week, I was supposed to, let's go with uh, my weekend first. My weekend was decent, uh, kind of relaxing. I have the uh, long weekend, as most uh, a lot of people do, because of Labor Day. I did go to the New York State Fair on Saturday. That was fun. I usually check that out once a year. I went with my mom and my wife. Uh, other than that, I watched a lot of pro wrestling. Both WWE and uh, AEW had PLE slash pay-per-views this weekend, so that was good. We announced the launch of the Nerd Initiative wrestling show we'll be doing on YouTube. So coming up on Wednesday, September 13th at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we will be live on the Nerd Initiative YouTube channel for Wrestling Night Live. Myself and Ken M will be taking the lead there. Other members of the NI Wrestling Dojo will be uh, stopping by over the weeks, and we'll also be doing pre-show and post-show for all future PLEs. So remember, Wednesday, September 13th, if you're a pro wrestling fan, Nerd Initiative's YouTube channel is where you want to be. Get all those links. Go to nerdinitiative.com. Uh, to figure that out. So big shout outs there. So we're going to be doing that. It's going to be fun. On top of that, we're still doing 607 TWS. Do not worry. That's going nowhere. That's going to be coming out this week as well as every week. Uh, on top of all of that, coming up, woof. Uh, I did not do any fantasy football because I, I don't have time. Yeah. <laughs> like my schedule was like, <sighs> like we were supposed to be taking some time off from booking Sci Fi Horror Fest for next year. Yeah, that didn't work. So therefore, we're already, you know, process of that. So 2024 is coming up. Uh, it did get announced wide. So it is uh, August uh, 16th and 17th, I believe it was, yep. uh, in Vernon, New York at the Vernon Downs Casino. I know that's a little ways off, but know that in advance. Uh, so we've got that all going on. And uh, man, there's just a ton of stuff, dude. Ton of stuff. So. Make sure you're checking it out. I'll, I'll be getting back to you guys and doing a lot of crazy stuff coming up. And I'm sure I forgot about a lot of things, but hey, I'm, I'm just tired. <laughs> I'm still trying to get back. I'm still trying to get back in the saddle again, of course, gearing up for New York Comic Con in October. Because I'll be there with uh, Ken M from the ODPH doing a bunch of good, great coverage for him and Nerd Initiative. So lots of fun. Lots of shit planned out, so I got to get it all in token. Hopefully, everybody listening had a great week, and I hope you have an awesome week coming up as well. But before we can dive into the meat and potatoes of the show, we have to give you those opening shameless plugs. And of course, if you would like to find out any information at all about the 3FN podcast, it is simple. Go to 3FN podcast.com there you can find all of our social media links you can find all of our links like the t public link the patreon link patreon.com slash 3fn podcast for as little as one dollar a month you can get a ton of extra bonus content well help supporting everything we do around here also while you're there check out the uh show stuff so there's the 3fn podcast show stuff there's 607 tws the wrestling show for all you pro wrestling fans me and ken m from the odph do it once a week check that out you can get the links and stream it right from there also so friends of the show like the ODPH, check them out right from 3FNpodcast.com as well. 
Also, on the website, there's the musical directory where the bands who allow us to use their music so we don't get hit with those dreaded DMCAs are. And we're going to give a huge shout out to our good friends, Shout at the Robots, whose song Fail Better is the theme song for the 3FN podcast you hear in the beginning of the show each and every week. Go support them and all those other great bands on YouTube Music, Spotify, and Bandcamp. And last but not least, when you're at the website, check out the sponsor section. That is the place where our sponsors who allow us to bring these shows to you commercial free have their listings and of course if you're in the 607 and need to put the pride back in your ride call rex to rods auto detailing at 607-644-3389 schedule an appointment on the 3fn podcast sent you next up we got our good friends over here at uh w energy w.gg that's d-u-b-b-y.gg and at checkout use the uh promo code 3fn pod that's the number three f-n-p-o-d for 10 percent off of every order after that, you can check out our good friends at Sci-Fi Horror Fest. We just gave you the dates, but hey, if you would like to get on there early and find out if you're a vendor or something and you want to get find spaces early or any updates, make sure you're following Sci-Fi Horror Fest on Facebook and on social medias. Plus, also get all those links and everything at SciFiHorrorFest.com. And last but not least, our main sponsor, the people who provide us with the 8122 Production Studios, that is Dragon Master Games for all your Magic the Gathering and gaming needs. Visit them on the World Wide Web at DragonMasterGames.com. And of course, if you forgot any of that information, it's all listed there at 3fnpodcast.com. Of course, we've got uh, one of those shows where we don't have a break in the middle because it is an older review for Rush Hour. But before we get to the 3FN Movie Club review, we got to go on over and check out... Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Welcome to Diesel's movie, Triple Stuff. Got a little bit of a slower box office this week. Still in the top five, though, Oppenheimer pulls in another $5.5 million. It won't go away. Coming in at number four. Dropping down significantly, Gran Turismo with $6.6 million. Hey, listen, one week uh, at the top, and then, you know, it just falls. Free falling. <laughs> Staying steady at the number three spot, we have Blue Beetle pulling in another $7.3 million. Whew. DC Studios. Yeah, and it's getting pulled out of, like, a 116 theaters or something, or 400 Yeah, so next week it'll be out of the top five. Yeah. Staying strong and staying in the double digits, Barbie comes in at number two with $11 million. It's really trying to make that most money since the pandemic started. Possibly most money, period. And they're going to make part two, and they shouldn't. Yeah, they should just leave it as it is, but we'll see. We'll see. But debuting, speaking of part twos, we have a part three. The Equalizer Part 3 with $35 million for the weekend gross. I did not have a chance to go see that, but I mean, 33 open for that is pretty pretty decent. Oh, yeah. I might go see that tomorrow or Thursday. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe Ron will let you know. So uh, make sure you're yeah. following uh, the, at RedX230. He'll, he'll let you know the hookup if he goes. Uh, coming out this week, we have The Nun 2. The Nun 2, the uh, jump scare a boogaloo. I don't know. I hey. Jump scare the movie 2. Hey, hey, I just watched The Nun 1, and I understand what you're saying. And also coming out on September 8th, a even more scary movie, My Big Fat Greek Wedding Part 3. You know what I said when we were at the theater? They made a part two? <laughs> yeah. I, I was trying to think of that. I was like, I, I know I've had to heard of the part two, and it's like, I'm drawing a blank. But coming out on September 15th, we have Outlaw Johnny Black. That will be your 3FM Movie Club review that week, as long as it's <laughs> playing in a theater near us, and I'm hoping it is. Uh, if you've ever seen Black Dynamite, this is from the creators of Black Dynamite, bringing a lot of that cast over. It's tremendous. I think this will be a great movie. Also coming out that week, we have the animated movie The Inventor, the family movie Camp Hideout, and then A Haunting in Venice. Yes, Haunting in Venice is one of the big ones. Uh, I've never been a big fan of those kind of movies. No. you got to be honest. I'm a huge horror fan. I'm not a big uh, Haunted House fan because I really feel they rely too much on jump scares and stuff like that. I mean, there's a couple of them out there that I can that I like better than others, but I'm just it's just one of those uh, genres of horror that I never got into, but hey, if you love it, just let me know how it was. Diesel, now that we're out of the box office, that means it's time to find out what this week's top 3 is. This week is your top 3 favorite 
movie duos. Movie duos. And now, so it can be, it's just movies. And yep. it can not just be cop movies, it could be anything. Yeah. So I didn't want to go with the buddy cop uh, pairs. So we just open it up to your favorite, you know, like unlikable duos or just pairs and movies that just go together just so well. My number three spot is going to be Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Kevin Hart. <laughs> nice. I still need that Twins remake. They would move up in the list if they do a Twins remake. Yes. I promise you yeah. that much. At number two, I have the great John C. Riley and Will Ferrell. Nice. Yep. They go together like peanut butter and jelly, and they're such good at it. Yep. Then in my number one spot, I have the most legendary. And I didn't go with cops. I was going to, you know, honorable mention. I'm going to wait till you guys are done because I'm sure somebody's going to list my honorable mention. But they would have been high on the list because all these are so close. But I was like, I need to go with comedy. Go back to my roots. That's right. Cheech Marin, Tommy Chong, <laughs> Cheech and motherfucking Chong nice. in the house. <laughs> go ahead, Ron. You're up next. Uh, number three, maybe a little caveat, Evan Costello. And just because of all the horror universal well, movies. They did everything. Yeah. I love them. So, you know, that's Greatest what, of all time. That's what started most of this stuff. Um, number three, or number two, we're going with Harold and Kumar. Very <laughs> nice. Very good. Very Very nice. Nice. I love all those movies, even though they're all stupid. I don't care. And then uh, number one, got to go with Captain Kirk and Mr. Spock. They were movies. <laughs> they were <laughs> movies. They were movies. All right. Diesel, your top three. All right. So we're going to go with number three. I think one of the best showings of what a friendship is, Seth and Evan from Superbad. All right. Okay. Right on. Number two, we are going with Tyler Durden and the narrator. <laughs> I love Edward Norton and uh, Brad yes. Pitt together. Okay. And then number one, we got to go for it. It's, it's actually a twofer, but it's in the same universe. We have Randall and Dante and Jay and Silent Bob. True. There you go. Very good. Very good. Uh, my One of my honorable mentions, honestly, would have been the buddy cop one of, I think we would have all gotten. Of course, that would have been uh, Mel Gibson and Danny Glover. Yes. So Riggs and Murtaugh <laughs> getting too old for this shit. I mean, that's got to be a top of most people's list. So very good. Very good list, everybody. Now that we are done with the top three, that means we are heading out of Diesel's movie Triple Stuff, and we're heading right in to... Welcome to... Three Offense. Movie club. Refreshments are available in the lobby. And please, keep our theater clean by disposing of trash in specified containers. And remember, gift certificates are available for any special occasion. Enjoy the show. That is right, it is now time for this week's three FN Movie Club Review. And of course, we are going back in the time machine to the year 1998 for the 25th anniversary of Rush Hour. We're going to dive right into that. Of course, I would like to give you guys a reminder since we're doing a 25th anniversary, so an older film. Uh, if anybody who is newer to the show, or even this is your first show, if this is the first time listening to the 3FN Podcast, thank you for giving us a try. Hope you enjoy and come back and check out other episodes and other reviews. But uh, when we do older episodes, we do not do, we do separate spoiler and non-spoiler, but a little differently. So when we open it up, we give all the stats of the film. We give the, uh, who, who made the movie, who starred in the movie, and then we will go on to the second half of the show where we do the spoiler full review, followed by the game, which gets the scores from around the internet before finally giving our scores. Usually, if we do newer movies, we have a spoiler alert in there. We don't do that for older movies because we assume you've seen them, so we will give you a slight verbal warning before we give away the movies in the full spoiler review. But that is how we set it up when we're doing older movies. And since this is the 25th anniversary from 1998, that fits the bill. So with that, are you gentlemen ready to talk about Rush Hour? Oh, yeah. Diesel, I believe that... Man, I got a story to tell. When a Chinese consulate's daughter is kidnapped, an unlikely duo of LAPD detective and Chinese ins investigator inspector must pair up. Can they overcome their racial cues and stereotypes and the language barrier. I just want to point out 1998 was a different year. <laughs> oh, it really yeah, was. Well, was. Right, we'll talk about that at the end of this. We'll give our, when we give our score, before we give our scores at the end of the review, we'll give, could you maybe, could you do this in 2023 or not? Uh, we, we do that sometimes for the older movies. So we're definitely going to do that here. Uh, so of course, Rush Hour came out on September 18th of 1998 with a runtime of 98 minutes. Uh, the budget of the movie was estimated at $33 million. Its domestic box office was $141.2 <laughs> and 
the worldwide box office hit 244.7 million. So that's, you know why there is a part two, three, and uh, to save myself later, in production currently is Rush Hour 4. So that is in production, it is in development, of course everything's on hold because of the strike, but it is in development according to IMDb. Now that we know the back stats, it's time to find out who made this shit. And of course, uh, the director of this film was Brett Ratner. By the way, Brett Ratner has directed a million and a half music videos for Mariah Carey, Drew Hill, uh, everything. You, you name it, hip-hop and R&B, uh, Heavy D and the Boys, he's done it. But he's also done other movies. Brett Ratner's first film that he directed was 1997's Money Talks, also starring Chris Tucker yep. and Charlie Sheen. Yep. I know you're a big <laughs> fan of Charlie Sheen, Diesel. Uh, he also would come back, just to get it out of the way, he would come back for Rush Hour 2 and 3. He has directed all of them. I do not know if he's attached to Rush Hour 4 or not, because obviously not much is known about that. Uh, but other movies that Brett Ratner has directed, uh, speaking of what amazing one, Red Dragon, the the prequel of The Silence of the Lambs. Nice. Yeah, he was the director of that movie. Nice. Uh, but also, he did X-Men Last Stand and the Dwayne The Rock Johnson super film, Hercules. Oh, oh, so good. No, it's not. He has rough, some rough beats. mids and he has some lows. Yeah, so some rough beats there. Uh, next up, screenplay for this movie. Uh, two writers. Uh, first off was Ross Lamana, uh, who did the story and screenplay. First movie that uh, he was a writer on, Arctic Blue in 1993. He also did a movie called Maximum Impact. Uh, of course, his partner on this was Jim Coff, uh, who just did the screenplay. He did a movie called The Boogans in 1981. Uh, he also was a writer for Stakeout. Operation Dumbo Drop, Snow Dogs, and the National Treasure movies. Okay. okay. So he has a pretty good run as far as kids' movies goes. Next up, and this is where we get into something like one of these things is not like the other, director of photography. And I'm going to say this, legendary Adam Greenberg. Now, mind you, I didn't write down all of his stuff because that would take him too long. His first movie that he was the DP for, Before Tomorrow in 1969. Then he did The Big Red One. And then it gets into ones that you're going to know from the 80s and beyond. The Last American Virgin, oh. The Terminator, Once Bitten, Iron Eagle, <laughs> Near Dark, Turner and Hooch, nice. Ghost, Ooh. Terminator 2, Judgment Day, Sister Act, Toys, and uh, I'm tired of these motherfucking snakes on this motherfucking PlayStation. <laughs> and he did other things, obviously, but I would say legendary. Terminator, Terminator 2 puts yeah. you a legendary, but a lot a of good stuff in there. An eclectic career. <laughs> yes. Speaking of which, composer of this film, equally legendary, and that was Lalo Schrifen. Uh, Lalo's first movie, Joy House, in 1964. Here we go. All older movies for the most part, but you're going to know these movies. Cool Hand Luke. Nice. Bullet. <laughs> Kelly's Heroes. He is the, by the way, and this is all of them, the original through all of the Dirty Harry films he composed. Wow. All of them. Uh, also, the composer of Enter the Dragon. Ooh. Uh, the Amityville Horror. The Beverly Hillbillies, the 90s movie. And he would also come back and compose Rush Hours 2 and 3. He is also still with us. Nobody has passed on. Yes. So, kudos. Both, both the DP and the composer, in my opinion, legendary. Yeah. Well, now that we found out who made the movies, it's time to find out who starred in them. For the love of God, will someone please punch me in the face so I can see some stars? And I'm going to be honest. We got the two main stars of this film, and then everybody else is going to get a quick shout-out because, let's be honest, they were the two main stars of this film. So first up, the man, the myth, the legend, playing Chinese Inspector Lee, Jackie Chan. Jackie's first movie, Big and Little Wong Tin Bar, in 1962. Yep. Uh, he was also in Fist of Fury. Enter the Dragon, Drunken Master, and a ton of other kung fu flicks I had to skip over because yeah. we'd be here all day, and yeah. I actually love Jackie Chan's oh, kung yeah. fu flicks. Uh, but I wanted to get the couple that he did with uh, Bruce Lee in particular, and of course, Drunken Master, I think is what he's most known yeah, for kung such, fu-wise himself. And it's such a good movie. Uh, he was in Cannonball Run and, 1 and 2. That was some of his first big... Uh, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, he was the Mitsubishi yeah. uh, technician. No. Yeah, I uh, he, about that. He, that was one of his first big American movies. And then, it kind of gets weird here. He was in Super Cop 1 and 2 and Rumble in the Bronx and a few other movies like uh, Who Am I and stuff. The funny part about those, those were all made as kung fu movies in Hong Kong. And so they were released in Hong Kong in the early 90s and came out in the mid-90s yeah. for us in America yeah. after they were dubbed. So it was kind of kind of funny that those were his big shown there. Of course, then he would do all the Rush Hour films for 
first rush hour and there were other ones. He would come back for the Shanghai New franchise, the Kung Fu Panda franchise. He did that uh, terrible remake of The Karate Kid, not on his own fault. And, uh, of course, most recently we heard him as a, the voice of Splinter in Teen, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem, if you uh, saw that movie, which was pretty awesome. Next up, the other man playing LAPD slash FBI agent Carter, the legendary Chris Tucker. Chris Tucker has only got 11 credits to his film history. It's a one. And I'm not going to read all 11, but the, his first movie, The Meteor Man in 1993. Yep. <laughs> he was also in House Party 3. Yep. He was in Friday, of course. That was mm-hmm. his breakout role. Dead Presidents. Yep. The Fifth Element. Yep. Money Talks, which you imagine ago. One of the uh, movies that I'm a big fan of, and I know you are too, and possibly the most underrated Tarantino flick, Jackie Brown. Mm-hmm. And most recently, he was in the movie Air. Okay. okay. And yep. of course, both of them are attached to the Rush Hour 4 movie that's coming out. And of course, not to hold your breath, but one day, one day, we will get the, fri- the final Friday movie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> one day. Don't hold your breath on it, because it's kind of like that Beverly Hills Cop movie. It may never happen. Uh, next up, playing one of the uh, bad guys in this movie, uh, Ken Luang. He played Singh. He played the most... He, he's, he's the... Uh, as I'm going to talk about him later, he was the Cisco-looking motherfucker. Uh, he was also an old. He was on The Sopranos. He's done a, a bunch of different things. Uh, Tom Wilkinson played Griffin uh, slash Junto. Uh, you remember him from Michael Clayton. The Full Monty is, I think, where most of us remember yeah. him from. Uh, the Grand Royale in the bedroom. He's done some, some pretty big things. Uh, playing Council Han with C. Zima. Uh, Zima was also in The Quiet American, Arrival, The Farewell. Uh, he's done a ton of different things. Uh, pretty awesome there. And then the cast was pretty much rounded out by, you know, usual suspects. Although we do want to give a huge shout out to the late, great Gene LaBelle, who shows up as a taxi driver in this. And if you do not know the legend of Gene LaBelle, do yourself a favor. Go out of your way and find out who Gene LaBelle is. Uh, I will tell you this. He is loosely based, the Brad Pitt character in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is loosely yes. based on Gene LaBelle. His legend is amazing. He was friends with everybody from Bruce Lee to, you name it, he was friends with them. Gene LaBelle is a legend. And of course, for pro wrestling fans, he was also a pro wrestler. And uh, to this day, uh, Brian Danielson uses the LaBelle lock yep. as his finish. And uh, Gene LaBelle used the, was the creator of the LaBelle lock. Also, Gene LaBelle was a, one of the first pioneers of MMA. Because he did some of those shoot fights in Japan. So, like, it's <laughs> it's interesting. So, if you ever get a chance, look up the story of Gene LaBelle. He's the late, great Gene LaBelle. I just want to give him a shout-out. All right, gentlemen. Now that we found out who's in it now, that we found out who made it, now that we have the stats, this is where we're going to jump into the spoiler full review for Rush Hour. So, if you've not seen 1998's Rush Hour, this is where you take a bow out, come back after you've seen it, and, uh, you know, check it out and uh, let us know what you thought as well. If you have seen it or don't care that a 25-year-old movie is about to get spoiled, which I don't think there's really many spoilers in this movie, we are going to have to right now into our spoiler full review. All right, let's do it. Let's go through the bone work of the movie. I don't think we need to go uh, scene by scene. Diesel, let's just kick us off. How does uh, how do we start through this uh, journey of rush hour? So we we meet the consulate and his daughter, and she winds up getting kidnapped. Uh, we know that. Well, we first start off with uh, Chris Tucker's character stopping Chris Penn's character in an <laughs> epic shootout slash over the top. Gunplay scene with a car. Yes. I will say that that was an other than the over the topness. The scene itself was an homage to Beverly Hills Cop Two. Yes, <laughs> actually Beverly Hills Cop One and Two, but the the cigarette truck in particular, where he's like, uh, uh, "You're a cop, I, yo. I used to be a Muslim. I can smell bacon." You know, that was the, the that was the, uh, yes. the 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 cop, and they they do similar lines yes. in this, although they go way over the top yes. on this one. Yes. So we find you know the LAPD uh, cop here. He gets things done, but he's he, he's he's not doing it the correct way. He's rubbing people the wrong way, which is going to play into the fact that once the consulate's daughter gets uh, kidnapped, he wants to bring in his own Chinese uh, investigator, and the FBI are just like, no, we got this handled. We don't want this, and they wind up pairing Lee and the LAPD detective together to try to keep them away from the case ironically enough they say can you put one of your your lower agents on it and they're like nope better yet we're just gonna search this out to the locals lapd (laughs) and of course chris tucker who's in trouble for that whole fiasco they kind of con him into it by going hey you're not in trouble the fbi wants you and it's just a babysitting job yeah 
So our, our two leads meet each other, and there's a little bit of a language barrier. Do you understand the words that are coming from my mouth? Lee just wants to go start investigating, and he sneaks away several times <laughs> in some of the best ways possible. Yeah. Jumping off the bus, handcuffing him, uh, getting handcuffed to the steering wheel, and then just taking the steering wheel off. And hijinks ensue where things don't ever seem to go right with the pairing of these two. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The and money it, drop goes wrong. Chris Tucker on the phone with the, the kidnappers. Like they're doing the right things, but they end up in the wrong yes. places. And it, it all leads into the fact that uh, finally, you know, they ba- they they bungle up enough that they're going to send Lee home. And, Disgraced. In disgrace. And then, you know, Chris Tucker sneaks onto a plane to get him off. And then we go into the fact that they uh, tap in to a partner of his and they go, we're going to go rogue and we're going to get this done ourselves. And as they show up at this big event where the uh, Chinese government is uh, showing off this exhibition of their history, we find out that because we found out earlier that the man who was friends with the council, Griffin, is actually the Junto. He is actually the the, the, the as Chris Tucker. By the way, is is unrevealing because Tucker's like, I, mean, I saw him at the on the on the shop at the Chinese food shop. So these are one of the movies where there is a big plot twist where you know who's gonna who's the person that turned or all that. In this movie, it meant absolute zero. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> You're absolutely. just like, oh, so the guy that we just saw on screen. He's the one that backstabbed him. By the way, don't care. <laughs> by the way, also very anticlimactic how it happens because he's literally just like, "Oh, I saw him on the on the video. I saw him at the Chinese shop where we did the bust." Yeah, that was it. Yep. And of course, we get the famous scene where Chris Tucker's like, "Oh, I'm going to create a distraction." He goes over, "All right, everybody, there's a bomb. So everybody, make your way to the exits calmly." What are y'all doing? There's a bomb in this building. Get that out! <laughs> like you know, it's Chris Tucker, so you get that over the top. And then we get the final like action sequence, where we'll talk about when we do likes and dislikes. And uh, eventually, you know, obviously, like any movie, they get their man, and uh, they become friends. The odd couple becomes you know besties, and it's 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 fun times. And that's the end of the bone work of Rush Hour. That's it. They they have some struggles together in the beginning. They, they they partner off though perfectly. They're joking around and learning how to disarm weapons using karate and using streets. And then it all comes to an end where they're successful. <laughs> it's right. the basic formula. <laughs> so now let's jump into likes and dislikes as we normally do. We'll start with the likes. I'm going to kick it off and then pad, go back around. But I'm going to kick it off with what I usually like to kick it off with is the technical stuff. And I think this movie does all the technical stuff right. It looks uh, the score is great. The soundtrack is great. It looks amazing. Uh, the the fight sequences, the way they were shot, look very good. Once again, you're t- you're dealing with the master of the live fight scene in Jackie Chan. Yes. So like the one thing that you have to remember, and I mean I understand in 1998 they shot things a little differently, but this is like the era of where Jackie Chan there was nobody better at shooting fight scenes. Yeah. And he does his own stunts. He does his own fight scenes. He choreographs most of them, and it looks amazing because. That's what he kind of puts out there to the public. I thought that this was a, one of his better, finer pieces of, of booking stunts. Nothing too over the top, which was unusual for Jackie. And by the way, when I say too over the top, you have to remember in Who Am I, which came out, what, a year or two before this, he does the slide down the side of like a 100-foot building. Yeah. On the, on the, so yeah. that's why I'm saying, but there's nothing like that in this movie. So this was kind of like peeled back for him, but it worked out in a lot of different ways. So all the technical stuff, I think, I checked the boxes for me as far as the technical yeah. stuff. Tad to the fight choreography. There was no like over the top stuff, but it did appear like the scenes that they did were like on super hard mode. So like when he's fighting and has to keep the base up. Oh yeah, they did a lot of great stuff. Or the keep away with the guns. It was very cool how this see how they did that. The choreography of the fighting was great. Right, but at the same like like you said, they did amazing things while still keeping it in the I should say the realm of realism. Yeah. You know, I mean there was nothing like where you where you went, Well, that couldn't be possible. Everything they really did in the film, you're like it could be possible. Yep. That could actually happen. Uh, so I will give that credit. So that's all the technical stuff. Now let's dive into the other likes. Uh, we'll start with you, Diesel. What do you like about Rush Hour? Uh, so I did love the score, uh, the score and the soundtrack. Like we played it for our patrons. We played Mariah Carey Fantasy. I legitimately marked out during that moment. I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot about this. <laughs> that was bobbing my head. Some Drew Hill. Yeah. How deep is your love for me? Yeah. So the soundtrack was really good. It definitely captured the late '90s. And honestly, some people will take some of the stuff as negatives. 
I actually like going back in time on this one. I oh. thought it was a fun. I was. Yeah. I thought it was actually a fun ride. I, I agree with you there. I agree with you, uh, Ron. Some likes for Rush Hour. Like overall, like it is a generic story, but it actually flows well. Like from the beginning to the end, like it is the generic. Oh, the inspector over in China, and then he's got gets called over. Like you have that whole scenario, which which was great because it's all in Chinese. You know, you got the subtitles. You know, yeah. so and it, it gives you that feel of a Jackie Chan, you know, movie. And you're like, oh, they're gonna go this way, then he gets to America. The whole concept. Do you understand the words coming out of mouth? He doesn't talk for the first, you know, interaction with him for like the first 10, 15 minutes. Yes. And that's the running joke. Like, you never said, oh, you can talk English now. You, yeah, when he speaks yeah. English finally because the, the <laughs> yeah. cab, he pulls a gun on him. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. And he's like, you can speak English now? He's like, I can speak English the whole time. You just assumed I couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> so, which was a good comedy point. Like, the comedy points on here, for the most part, do hit. It is 1998, so... Eh, there's some other things that don't flow so well nowadays, but it's a solid. Yeah, it was a fun watch back though to go back there and be like, to the time where this movie was based off of the "You're Chinese, you're black." Yeah, a couple pairings. Yeah, and it it still worked. I, yeah. I still had a good time watching it, even with the, you know, do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth or the black stereotypes of, you know, oh, it'd be it's pretty good. It'd be better with hot sauce on it. Yeah. Well, I think they did some of that very tastefully too. Yes. A lot of that was done very tastefully. Like it was, it was funny, but you could see where it was in jest, and it wasn't like done in a harmful manner. I'm gonna go and say I did love, I loved the comedy, and and to, to like shore it up. I also liked the comedy with the action because like you're talking about the vase scene. So here's Jackie Chan fighting guys off in the big scene, and he's trying to save this old vase, and he's just like he's trying everything he can, and as soon as he goes away, it gets shot and just destroyed, <laughs> and he's just like because that whole time he tried to save it, and so like there's like f like so the comedy like. Like in the action was cool too. Like they didn't just go with straight action. Or like when Chris Tucker goes up into the room at the Chinese shop and gets kicked in the face. Which one are you kicking? That's <laughs> oh, all right. You know, it was me, and it's the big, it's the biggest one there. And he's like, oh, all right. And then he just starts flailing around and hitting everybody else. Yeah, he's, it's hilarious. Like, like you have these really fun built-in things, yeah. even with the action scenes. I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, of course, big shout-outs. I, I kind of mentioned it before, but uh, Ken Luang, who played Sang in this movie, who's the main villain. Uh, well, not, he's not the big head. He's not the boss, but he's the guy you see most of the movie. He chapped in, and he was like the Chinese Cisco. Yes. Because he had the blonde hair, like the short blonde hair. And the funny part is that Drew Hill did a couple songs for the soundtrack. So Drew Hill was the, the group that Cisco was in before he went solo. So Cisco was involved yeah. in this movie, so it was hilarious to see the Chinese Cisco, if you will. <laughs> uh, so that made me chuckle because th that's the time frame we were in, 1998. You know, a year or two later, we get the thong song. Yes. You know, you know, we had already Drew Hill had already been out there. How deep is your love? Is in this movie. I think there was another song in this movie, but also before that, somebody sleeping in my bed and stuff. And that was really like the breakout for Cisco before doing his own career in the thong song. So uh, it's, it's kind of a nice little uh, time capsule. Uh, let's move over to some dislikes. Diesel, what are your dislikes <laughs> of Rush Hour? All right. So the basic plot of this movie is very. Vanilla. It's it's a paint by numbers movie, where you take you know a funny black guy and like the probably the best kung fu guy possible, but this so them acting was great, but the storyline itself was very dull. The, did the daughter gets kidnapped? We have to get her back. She never really seems in peril. Yeah. No. Um. Then we got to go to the the main stuff with the. The language choice of some of the movie. <laughs> and I'm actually going to say it, you know, seeing Jackie Chan go up to the the bartender being, what's up, my <laughs> And then that being a scene, we was just like, oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot this was 98. Yeah. 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 So they could have probably done away with that one. Yeah. They definitely could have done, done away with that. And they have that whole scene and a lot of like different, uh, there was a lot of different kind of racially like weird scenes, but once again, it was 1998, yeah. so you got to give it kind of a pass, but it's weird looking in 2023 yeah. eyes. Um, besides that, like, once you get past, like, the the point that the plot is, like, essentially non-existent and, like, the, the big reveal is kind of wasted because they did a horrible job with that, it wasn't too bad except for when we get to the climax and Tucker and uh, the Asian Cisco are about to have it out. He's like, put your, down your gun and well, let's fight like men. And then just to have it end with like a quick shot and just be done and over with. It was like kind of like, oh, that's it. 
I would expect like a little bit of a fight scene. But there's also the cheesy throwback one-liner from Chris Tucker because earlier in the movie, after the guy beats him up, he's like, he's like, uh, he throws a napkin at him, clean yourself up, you're looking a little bloody or yeah. whatever. And so now he he has to get him back. He throws his handkerchief at him and just is like, you know, clean yourself off, you're looking a little dead. And you're just like, eh, why do we yeah. have to have yeah. the little punchline? Chris Tucker's funny on his own yeah. without doing that shit. But yeah, or at least if you're gonna do something, call back to like Friday when you got knocked the fuck yeah. out or you got killed or something, you know, do something like that. I don't know. That's just my choice. Right. It was kind of weird. Ron, you have any dislikes for this film as well? Like, like you said, the, the girl never seems in peril. Like, even the kidnapping scene is, like, really just stupid. Like, she just happens to run down, you know, run down the middle of the road, you know, and the, the guy on the motorcycle just happens to be going that direction. Cause it was he, an inside job. She wasn't on it. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. And then it's like the van just happens to be at the end of that street. Like, it's just so generic. I'd love to expand on that, too, then... When Lee finds the necklace on the waitress yeah. and rips it off, and you're just like, I'm pretty sure the kidnappers aren't going to just like randomly head it over to the waitress. Yeah. It's, you know, granted, she's probably involved because it's like the headquarters for yes, that but area. Still. She's not going to be wearing that necklace. Yeah, exactly. No, no criminal's that stupid. Right. It should have been something else. Like, unless the criminal was like, hey, you wanted to get some of that, you know, side piece yeah. and be like, you want hey, some baby, of that Mushu? I, got, I give you some. I give you some. <laughs> I mean, I know that's Rush Hour 2 where we find out more about Mushu, yeah. but you want some of that Mushu. But it's like, it's just. Like you said, it is paint by numbers. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a generic comedy, cop comedy, especially for the 90s and 80s. I thought they did a good job of, of capturing that, though, like yeah. in the vein of Lethal Weapon and, and then the movies that came before it. So got to give them all that credit for that. You know, there was a right amount of action stuff. But, yeah, there was definitely some weird choices of lines in the movie. Uh, the plot line wasn't that great. Uh, but once again, like I said, you know, you have with a comedy, you're a little more lenient with some of these things because... It is a comedy at yeah. the end of the day. And did it make me laugh? Yes. There were the parts that were entertaining. The physical comedy was good and stuff like that. So I, I forgave a lot of those things. The only other thing that I really thought was kind of like off is that there was some really weird editing choices in the movie too from a technical standpoint. Like they edited like from this scene to that scene and they did like nowadays you would, you know, it would, it's a little different because I'm sure editing was different back then, but they did a lot of those sliding cuts you see in iMovie things. Yes, yeah. So it's like the cut, but like when you change scenes, it kind of like screen wipes to the next scene and it's just kind of like a weird choice of like editing. And I mean, I guess maybe, but I don't know. I can't remember too much, but I, I remember things from the, the late 90s having though so maybe that was the new yeah. technology at the time and they were like oh we got to use this this is so this cool is, is so but it good. just reminds me of myself and others who make uh you know movies on iMovie yeah. they're just trying to play around with transitions so there was a couple of those that i was kind of like oh, i don't know why this was a choice because it's not like the whole every transition it's just a few of them in the movie it was weird so that kind of threw me off a little bit but outside of that I, I didn't have too much of a disdain is there any other likes or dislikes either one of you gentlemen would like to talk about before we move on i think i about covered it like it was it was a fun entertaining watch so that's that's always a good takeaway well now that we have gone around the internet or now that we have gone and given you our full review we are going to go around the internet i said that backwards i'm a little dyslexic today and we are going to find out what other places around the internet gave it for scores but we're gonna have a little fun with it because time to play the game time to play the game <laughs> That's right, it is time to play the game. Of course, Diesel won back the throne in absentia last week from Ron. Can Ron regain it, or will Diesel live another week as your champion? The game is simple. We are going to take scores from around the internet, and these two gentlemen are going to try to guess the scores. Uh, Price is right rules, by the way. Closest to the number without going over gets the point. First to three points gets the uh, victory. Of course, the final question, if needed, uh, will the dreaded Google users, as I should put it, is closest to the number because we don't do ties. Also, that could be worth two points or whatever we need to get there because we also always want to have a winner. So with that, gentlemen, are you ready to play the game? Oh, yeah. All right. Ron, you are the challenger, so you get to go first. And it's going to be IMDB using points out of 10. What did they give Rush Hour? 6.7. Diesel? 4.3. You're probably right. <laughs> 6.7, 4.3, and Ron gets the point. 7 out of 10. Ooh. And even 7 out of 10. Next up, Metacritic. And Diesel, you go first here. Out of 100%, remember this is only critics. Metacritic out of 100%. What did they give Rush Hour? 48%. Damn it. Ron. We're both going over 49. 48, 49, <laughs> and... 
Ron gets the point, 60%. So Ron <laughs> has got a shot to win it on this Not next really, question. Not really, because he's going <laughs> to clock me so fast. He's got a shot to win it on this next question. Ron, you go first. Ron Tomatoes critic score. So this is critics on Ron Tomatoes. Out of 100%, what did they give Rush Hour? 55. Diesel. 56. <laughs> and Diesel successfully gets the block, 62%. Okay, I was just trying to get it so we'd both be over. <laughs> so there you go, 62%. So it's 2 to 1. So Diesel, you get to go first here. But Ron, you can win with the correct answer here. Diesel, Ron Tomatoes fan score. Out of 100%, what did they give Rush Hour? 70%. 70% Ron. We're going to the last question. One dollar. <laughs> one dollar, Bob. And, uh, Just that, mathematically, I have to go one. But by the way, you could win here. I know, so, but I think, and, I think he's right. And is this Ron the winner? No, Diesel gets the point, 78%. Okay. Ooh. I, I didn't have enough balls. <laughs> so we are going to the tiebreak question. Of course, it's closest to the number, period. And it's those dreaded Google users. Ron, since you're the challenger, you get to go first. Out of 100%, what did Google users give Rush Hour? 87 Diesel. Has BuzzFeed had enough time <laughs> to try to torpedo this movie in 2023? Uh, 83. Oh. 87-83, so there's a little bit of wiggle room for both. All right, it's coming down to it. We know there's going to be a winner, so I'm going to go ahead and hit that winning number. And your winner. And new champion, Ron. 91% Holy and shit. Google. Damn. 91% so Ron you are the winner you have regained the throne Diesel you have come up just short this week and you have dishonored your family so you know <laughs> you know in the Japanese tradition what you now have to do <laughs> with that being said though now that we've gotten the scores from around the internet it is time finally to give our scores yeah well you know that's just like uh, your opinion man of course, we are going to give you our scores. First up, the nerd score, followed by my critic score. And the nerd score is a recommendation scale that's based off of our critic score and our entertainment score to give you a recommendation score for a movie. And, you know, so that means that a movie could be technically, you know, critically bad, but it was entertaining enough that it gets you a good score and vice versa. So the nerd scale has five and only five levels, and the levels are such. One is no. That means it's a terrible movie. You should never watch it and waste your time. A two is you've been warned. That means it's not quite terrible, but it ain't good. So you've been warned not to watch it. A three is, ah, it's good. These are the good, you know, the average good films. They're the movies that you're not going to regret seeing, but you're not necessarily going to ever watch them again or put them in your rotation or any of that stuff. You're not going to go out and buy them. It's just if it's on something, you're going to watch it and you're not going to regret wasting. It's not a waste of your time, I should say. It's good. Uh, of course, next up, we have Just Take My Money. These are the very good films. These are the films that uh, you're probably going to add to your collection or rotation. You, you might see multiple times. If it's in the theater, you can feel free to go buy it in the theater. You can feel feel free to rent it or you know whatever you want to do. Spending money on it can be a thing because it's a very good film. And last but certainly not least is The Rarefied Air, known as Certified Nerd. These are the legendary films. These are the films that you're for sure going to buy. You're going to go see re-releases. You're going to add them to your schedule. You're going to you know go all out for them. They're movies like Jaws, Jurassic Park, that kind of movie where you just know it's classic and it's iconic. That is the certified nerd level. So with that being said, Ron, you're going to go first here. What is your nerd score for Rush Hour and why? All right. I'm going to give it a three. It's good. It's good. It's good. I remember watching this when it came out on DVD. I don't recall watching it ever again until just now. Um, maybe as a franchise as we work through, but I think I've only watched all these once because they're not that memorable for me. Like, I, I get it. it. They did have some. It was good to rewatch. I will admit that because I did laugh at the parts where you're supposed to laugh at. But that just means I did not rewatch this movie a hundred times like probably you guys did or what, or whatever. I just like it. So I did enjoy it, but I don't know if it's really for material. Like, it's fine. It's there. Watch it if you want to. You can find it. It was on Netflix. I was able to watch it on Netflix for a week. <laughs> then it got came off. So, you know, that, that then you had to run it or something, which was retarded. But, you know, it's it's a three-movie to me solid. It's worth the entertainment. If you haven't seen it in a while, you might want to watch it to rewatch it. But that's about it. All right, Diesel, what is your nerd score and why for Rush Hour? All right, I also landed at a three. It's good. It's good. It's good. There's an inherent bias for movies like this, comedy, action movies, where kind of grade them on a slightly higher scale. Like this, if we're coming off of like talking about Oppenheimer or something like this, this is a two. But for what it is, 
I had a good time watching it. I laughed. And I really enjoyed the fight choreography of this movie. And it was it was fun watch. I don't I was never a huge fan of this franchise, but I do also remember the time when this came out. This was a massive hit. It was like culturally like people love the pairing of Tucker and Chan and I I, I think they do have good chemistry together and it was a fun watch. Right on. Um, well, I'm just going to jump in and I'll, I'll just say my score real quick before I go to the wise. I also uh, joined it. It's a trifecta of uh, threes on this one. It's good. It's good. It's good. I thought, like like Diesel said, this is a fine movie. It's a fun movie to watch. You know, it basically it came down to me the, with whether I would just add this to my rotation around. I hadn't seen it in years. And it's like, if it, I watch it, it's not that I'll never watch it again. If it's on, I probably would watch it again. It's not a bad movie. Like, if I saw it on, I'd be like, okay. But I wouldn't add it to my collection. I probably wouldn't add it to a rotation. So that's why I couldn't give it the four. But it, it's still a solid movie. If you've never seen it, I would say go out and see it. It's worth watching at least one time. You know, I, you're going to have fun. It's not going to be anything serious. I don't think that it's one of those things where, you know, it's not going to piss you off that you saw this movie. So I definitely think that I'm very, very comfortable giving it a solid three. And as far as my uh, critic score, I give this movie a six out of ten. This is a better than average film. It's funny. It's, you know, comedies are never going to get the highest of scores. So that's, a, you know, pretty decent score for a comedy. But this is an above average movie. You're going to come out of it. You're going to enjoy it. I don't think you're going to come out of it being pissed off or not enjoying it. Unless, you know, you're super big on, you know, like being prim and proper. But as long as you're into good humor, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you're going to have a good time and enjoyment with this. It's not going to change your perspective on anything. It's not building a world. It's just basically, you know, here's this cop movie with an odd couple and they're going to do fun and fun things and you're gonna get a lot of cool physical action sequences and you know there is gun scenes but i mean this is definitely still more based on the kung fu yeah. and that's nice because i like seeing that i'm a big kung fu fan so it was nice seeing hand-to-hand combat and fight choreography in a movie and not just relying on like we're gonna fire guns at each other uh and so like that and adding in some even humor into the fight scenes is, is great so once again i give it a three i think we all gave it a three so unanimously it's a three i would say go see it Hit us up. Let us know what you thought about it. For all information to get a hold of us, go to 3FNPodcast.com. Hit us up. We'd like to hear from you as well and what you scored this movie. But before we go, Ron, I believe you have some business to attend to. Five out of ten stars. A bit childish and mundane. My le- my least favorite of the series. I'm not sure why, but I never really enjoyed reading the or watching Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. It feels very childish and aimed at a younger audience. Not to mention that the actors look a bit younger than 11. I felt a bit bored watching it and didn't really enjoy it. Nonetheless, it is Harry Potter, so I will give it a 5. 5 out of 10 stars. Harry Potter just sucks, people. The first one, it seems like it's aimed for children. It was! I think they missed the point. Here's, here, here's your card. Oh, It's here's still... A five is a fucking average movie. I know. That's why I'm trying. Now I'm finding trying to find the ones that blow your mind. It's not hard to do. It seems like a lot of that oh. goes on in this room. Well, oh. with that, uh, you know, obviously this uh, movie was voted on by our patrons because we hadn't uh, we didn't have one in going. So if you want to vote on movies that we're going to do in the weeks uh, that we don't have new movies that we're going to cover, go on to patreoncom 3 podcast for as little as one dollar a month. You get a ton of extra bonus content, and you get to help pick movies. And they picked these actually both movies because when they did it, the first and second place because we were doing back to back movies, uh, older movies. They got to pick first place. Why we did it this week was Rush Hour. Second place next week we will be reviewing. Viewing, uh, we'll be going back in the Wayback Machine once again to go the, the wonderful year of 2003, so 20 years ago, and we will be reviewing Underworld. I forgot that was 2003. Yeah, 2003. I, I thought it was older than that, but it's yeah. 2003. I thought, I thought it was right right with Rush I had Hour. To, yeah, I had to get to the confirmation because I almost said 1998 Yeah, well, I, I thought it's not. It's 2003. And uh, so next week, 3FN Movie Club review will be Underworld. And it's going to be a lot of fun because the week after that, it will hopefully be a new movie, The Outlaw Johnny Black. But until next week in our 3FN Movie Club review of Underworld, for myself and the guys, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and most importantly, later, nerds! Later. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Harry Potter just sucks, people. (laughs) 